Hello, I'm Rachel Webb, and I'm the host of the podcast She Leads Change, a space to explore ideas around affecting change, stepping into our power, leading from within, and all the challenges that we face along the way. Today, I'm speaking to Jennifer Wallace, a Reiki master, a meditation teacher who advocates for a holistic and spiritual approach towards mental health healing and exploration with her company Into the Wild Healing. Jennifer offers many different well-being practices in addition to Reiki, such as chakra balancing, tarot readings, and has recently organized a pregnancy loss healing circle for anyone who has experienced a loss. I want to put a trigger warning ahead of this episode to let you know that we will be discussing miscarriage today. So if anyone is likely to find this topic triggering or particularly painful, then please tune back in next month. And for anyone who has recently experienced a loss, I'll put some details of helpful resources in the podcast show notes. So I reached out to Jennifer after reading about the Pregnancy Loss Healing Circle after I experienced a miscarriage in May this year. As my experience really illuminated to me the culture of silence that is still cultivated around miscarriage and how important it is for miscarriage to be talked about in an informed way so that we can offer support to women who do go through this. So today Jennifer and I are going to talk about our experiences and discuss the types of support we found helpful and what we found unhelpful and hopefully try to normalise some of the big emotions that come along with this kind of loss in a way that people will find useful. So hello Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me today. Hello, thank you for having me. So first of all, can you give me a little bit more of an introduction to yourself and what you do? Yeah, pre-pandemic, I was more doing freelance journalism, but I have always had spiritual things in place that I use in my daily practice and just like a yearning to do more with it. And I'd already done Reiki training. And then obviously the pandemic happened and I decided to use that opportunity to develop my own little business. I'm a Reiki master, so I teach other people now in the Usui system of natural healing, which is like an energy healing. And I also incorporate meditation and tarot reading into that. For anyone who is quite new to Reiki and doesn't really know what it's about, can you tell us a bit more about what it entails? I actually love Reiki. I've only had it done twice, but both times I came out of it feeling completely stoned. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) It's amazing. But basically, it roughly translates as universal life force energy. The practitioner is a channel for this universal energy that's all around us. So, you know, everything has an energy in it. Any object, person, plants, all has energy. And the practitioner is a clear channel. And then personally, I'm intuitively guided to parts on the person that needs Reiki healing. Um, And it can heal energetically, spiritually, emotionally, physically. It's, It's amazing. I think everyone should know how to do it. Okay, so maybe then, first of all, we could talk a little bit about the healing circle Mm. and what brought you to organise the healing circle and what your experience has been. So before I came up with the idea for the pregnancy loss healing circle, I was obviously pregnant. So I'd come up with an idea for like a circle for pregnant women to connect to their bumps. But then obviously April came around and I sadly suffered a miscarriage. And I just thought, well, why not do it still, but for people who've experienced loss? And even while the miscarriage was happening, I knew deep down inside that I had to do something with the skills that I have to help other women because the treatment that I had in the hospital was just terrible. It was awful. 
And I ended up joining loads of like online forums. There's some really great ones like the Miscarriage Association have one. Tommy's has one. There's also an amazing podcast called The Worst Girl Gang Ever. They set it up last year during COVID, I think, to women who've experienced loss. And yeah, just joining those groups and then hearing the same stories repeated back about the treatment and the the, the lack of support. It just made sense to me, even though I was going through that horrible trauma, that I, I needed to help other women. I haven't said it yet, but thanks so much for taking the time out this evening to speak to me about your experience and connect with me about miscarriage. And I, you know, I think it's a really important conversation to be having, but obviously it's very painful to mm. um, relive the experience. So definitely want to hear a little bit more a bit later on about what your process of healing was um, and, and has been and, and still is, obviously. But let's talk a bit more about the type of support that you received when you were experiencing miscarriage and afterwards as well. And obviously, it sounds like you did not receive very good or very empathetic care from medical professionals, which is just awful because obviously you're going through such a big shock of a change. You know, that trauma that you're experiencing, you don't expect to be shocked by the treatment that you receive afterwards. Yeah. After I'd been in the hospital, because I got such little information from them, I very naively thought that what happened to me that morning was the miscarriage and that was it. So I went into the hospital on the Monday and on Thursday we'd finished eating lunch and I just started to get these really intense cramps. They got like worse and worse and more and more intense for contractions basically that lasted for like from Thursday afternoon until Saturday morning. But because I'd had no advice and because I'd had such a horrible experience in the hospital, I didn't want to go back there. So I was just rolling around on the floor in pain, taking codeine, hot water bottles. Luckily, my partner, he was amazing. And I have a friend who is a senior midwife. She was really good because she gave me like practical advice. So I got support in that way. And obviously also from close friends who had known that I was pregnant. They were very supportive too. My mum was actually really supportive because she's been through it herself as well before she had me. So I'm, yeah, I felt really supported by like my friends and family, but not by the system, shall we say. It's really interesting that I think maybe you and I discussed this a little bit before, but obviously there's such a culture of silence around miscarriage. But once you start talking about it, you realise how many people you know that have actually been through it. It's crazy. I didn't realise how common it was. Like, I know those statistics are out there. They're quite easily accessible, but it's not a world that you acknowledge exists whole of the world isn't it a world that you don't ever consider that you'll become a part of and it just changes everything you become so acutely aware of every little change in your body and then you get worried if you do get pregnant because what if it happens again and and I don't know why they don't tell you this in school in sex education like why don't they tell you this kind of stuff well for sure you know even when you were just describing there about the sort of more practical side I suppose of um, Mm. what actually happens when you have a miscarriage you know I think Mm -hmm. up until a couple of months ago I had no idea that you what some women experience is is like contractions and you know a lot of times that you will actually birth baby I just had absolutely no idea about about what actually happens and it really made me reflect on the past when friends have shared with me that they have experienced miscarriage and I was just so ill-equipped to offer any kind of support you know it's just something that you think that is that's obviously so terrible and it's so sad you almost can't go beyond 
yeah go beyond that because you have no understanding mm-hmm. of what mm-hmm. what happens and you know the feelings that that person must be feeling and think it was all just wrapped up in this massive culture of silence that nobody ever speaks about miscarriage so we we aren't taught how to support women who are who are going through it yeah I'm noticing it's becoming a lot more talked about now very very recently mm-hmm. so that is really good Lots of companies are introducing like miscarriage policies. Even the Sun are like doing a campaign now as well. You get celebrities speaking out about it. So it's good. We should speak about like, why shouldn't we speak about it? Like we tell people when our dads died or our granddads died and we're really grieving. So why can't we talk about the baby that we had planned for that had a name and a bedroom waiting for them? Like, why are we not allowed to, to say that? Yeah, I mean, it feels like that silencing is just so deeply rooted. And you're right, there is definitely a shift recently. And I think it's part of this kind of bigger shift about women speaking about body positivity and being sex positive, which is amazing. But yes, so, so deep rooted. And I think it does have a lot to do with, well, first of all, women feeling ashamed of having a miscarriage. And and that comes from probably centuries of blame and maybe a just kind of misunderstanding as to why miscarriage happens. My understanding of miscarriage is that it's nothing to do with, you know, the woman's body and your body is still working absolutely fine and doing what it's supposed to. And actually what happens is there's something going on with that fetus that means that something's not quite right. And it's actually your body saying something's not quite right with this. But on that, I don't know if you, about the body, like it is so incredible. Like it's so incredible that it knows how to make the baby in the first place. It's kind of... It's amazing that it knows that, okay, this baby's not going to make it. But also, I don't know if you noticed with yourself how your body realigned itself and started getting back to normal and the shedding and stuff. It was kind of amazing, really, isn't it? But Yeah. I mean, yeah. women's bodies are incredible. Yeah, um, well, yeah. But I think on that note, you know, just thinking about why miscarriage happens, mm. I think we can sort of use that to be really careful with the language that we sort of use when we are speaking about miscarriage or supporting someone who's had a miscarriage. When I tell someone uh, that I had a miscarriage, she she said, you know, why? Why did you have a miscarriage? And, you know, she was trying to be supportive, but there's an essence in there of what's wrong with your body you know what did you do yeah exactly and um I think that we just need to be careful about that and sort of on that note I think maybe it'd be interesting to just share some stories about the type of support we received I mean obviously medical professionals aside it sounds like you had a really supportive network around you which is brilliant and actually lots of people said lots of different things to me all along the spectrum but the most sort of helpful and most useful thing that I found that people said to me was just I'm sorry for your loss and also what do you need you know what what do you need from me what can I do and that was all and I think maybe a lot of the time because of this culture of of silence we keep talking about it's almost like it's really cyclical because people don't want to talk about their experience of miscarriage in case Mm -hmm. they make other people feel uncomfortable because the other people have no idea how to respond to supporting people who've experienced miscarriage and it kind of just goes round and round and round but a lot of the time you know you don't need a huge amount from somebody when you tell them I've had a miscarriage and just saying I'm sorry for your loss and leaving it at that is actually it's actually enough. I think just all I needed was people to ask me how I was feeling and to let me tell them exactly how I was feeling that was it. 
Yeah. And then on the sort of flip side of that, I think the worst thing that someone said to me was onwards and upwards, just try again. Yeah. People did say that to me, but I think, yeah, you can try again. It's not meant to be. I, I get really angry at first hearing it's not meant to be. But obviously, I know deep down that that, that is my kind of approach to it anyway, is that it was, obviously wasn't meant to be. But when you hear somebody else say it, when it's just happened, that's not what you want to hear. You don't want to hear you can try again or you got pregnant really quickly. You wanted that baby, so you just lost that baby. It's not really appropriate to start thinking about another one just yet. But like you say, yeah, people don't know what to say. The learning yeah. experience, I guess, isn't it at the moment? Yeah, for sure. And actually, I think, you know, just on that note of people saying things like that you weren't that far along or you got pregnant really quickly and mm-hmm. you can try again. I think what all that does is really minimizes your experience. And also I think as women, we're really, we're taught to pitch ourselves on this barometer of trauma and pain and cushion our feelings by saying, well, at least it wasn't this, or at least this didn't happen, or it could have been worse. And all we're doing really is just not allowing ourselves to feel the vastness of our feelings because mm. we've been taught that we have to I guess maybe put a brave face on things or or say well at least at least at least and sort of as part of that what I found quite unhelpful and I don't know if you found this or something similar everybody asked me how far along I was and you know reflecting on that I didn't really find that very helpful because I felt that that forced me to I guess kind of minimize my Mm. trauma because it was a very early miscarriage I was five weeks and I found myself saying I was only five weeks I was only five weeks like I was downplaying my experience but as soon as you realize you're pregnant if that baby is wanted and loved Mm. then that's that's your baby that's your baby that you've just lost and it doesn't Mm. matter how far along you are because really it feels like by asking people how far along were you it's almost like they're then gauging how much is the appropriate amount yeah. of sympathy to allow yeah. you. <laughs> or why are you so upset if you're only like five weeks? Yeah, mm. that's crazy. And it's like, yeah, as soon as you see those two lines on the pregnancy, stick, that's it. You're making those plans for your future already. Like we were talking about the weddings we were going to go to this year and I'd have a bump and I was looking at dresses that I could wear and that's your life. We moved house to a bigger place for the next bedroom for the baby. So it doesn't matter how long it is. That's, that's the other thing that I was going to say I think is really important. What to say to someone who's had a miscarriage is ask them how they're feeling. Listen to them, like really listen to them and then validate their feelings. That's it. I think you've put it really beautifully there because when you experience a miscarriage, it's not just the loss of the baby but it's a loss of your future life as well isn't it so there's just one more thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of miscarriage not being talked about and I was kind of thinking about this afterwards is the 12-week rule how you know you're not really supposed to tell anybody until you're 12 weeks pregnant and I was thinking that really I mean obviously the reason for not talking about it is because you know that's obviously the most kind of volatile part of the pregnancy and it could end in miscarriage and I was thinking this kind of expectation that everybody has that they're not going to speak about their pregnancy for the first 12 weeks that is really really cementing the silence around miscarriage isn't it but that's why you know it's it becomes so surprising when you actually start realizing how many people have experienced it and just not spoken about it because you never knew that they were pregnant in the first place but I'm kind of torn with that because you know on one hand I was thinking that 
And then on the other hand, after I actually had the miscarriage, I was thinking, I'm so glad that I didn't tell more people because the pain of having to Mm. then tell those people I've actually had a miscarriage and, you know, the pain of having to go through that conversation again and again is quite a lot. So I'm sort of, yeah, I'm kind of torn between how I feel about the 12-week silence. I actually, weirdly, when we found out we were pregnant, I told people quite early on and Adam was like, you're not supposed to tell people for like 12 weeks. It's like, no. And I said to him, no, but if anything is to happen, I want these people to know so they can support me. So I already decided that from the off. And luckily, one of my friends was really good. Helen, she offered to text other people for me. In fact, a couple of friends did that. They said that they would text other people for me. So I didn't have to go around and tell everybody. So I told like a handful of people, people that if I do get pregnant again, I will tell again early on as well. I I think it's important. But that's, that's obviously why it's there is because people don't tell anyone and then when you're suffering like that and going through that experience, like, why do you want to call someone up and say, oh, hi, I had a miscarriage? It's not, mm. not something you're going to do. Whereas if you've already told them you're pregnant, you do have to tell them. And then you have a support. There's support there. Mm. So I'd like to move on to our next part of the conversation, which is talking about, you know, how did you feel when you were going through the miscarriage and what did you feel afterwards? And how did you process as well? It was weird. When it was happening, I kind of went into autopilot to go to the hospital and get through that bit. Still convincing myself that it wasn't happening. And then we came home and it doesn't quite hit you straight away. It's like a very surreal experience. And even now looking back on it, it doesn't feel like that happened to me. I don't feel like I was ever pregnant. It's really bizarre. But it was painful, like emotionally at first. Because I went, I was bleeding, obviously, but I wasn't experiencing a lot of physical pain at that point for the first few days. But the emotion was insane. Like, I've never... I was, like, wailing for my baby, saying, I want my baby back. Like, crazy, crazy grief. But then the pain came, the contraction took over. So I had to, like, focus on, like, the physical elements of it. And just trying to get through that was hard. That was three weeks of that. Mm. So I was 12 weeks. But they think the baby had stopped developing at five or six. But yeah, emotionally, you just kind of feel a bit lost, don't you? Because you kind of get used to that new purpose that you've got coming your way. I don't have any children already, so it was like kind of a whole new phase of my life. Yeah, getting your head around that. I, I, I definitely allowed myself to grieve, and I think that's really important. I think doing that and then having the tools that I have in place giving myself Reiki and meditating and I think if I didn't have those things it would have been a much longer process obviously by no means am I saying like I'm okay completely now but the first few months were like yeah they were really hard some of the things what you're saying really resonate with me yeah. I mean first of all feeling completely untethered and then after that there were these two strands one was very spiritual when the miscarriage happened the only thing I could think was but where's my baby gone where did my baby go? Because you wake up that morning and you're pregnant and then the afternoon yeah. you're not it's pregnant. Not. And yeah. it's such a huge thing to get your head around. So there was a sort of spiritual side of that. And just thinking you know, that was my baby that was going to be somebody that was going to be a person and, and what's mm-hmm. happened to that person now. And the other sort of strand of it was was quite primal. As soon as I realised I was pregnant, it was like my body just went into this kind of defence mode. You feel like you will do anything to protect 
this baby in your tummy yeah. and it's it felt like a primal feeling and then the sudden change of losing that feeling is just so so surreal it's so strange yeah it is I think the weirdest thing for me was like not being able to wear the TFL baby on board mm-hmm. that on the spiritual point I had a really I felt like I had a really spiritual experience from it when I was pregnant I just felt my kind of intuition in my work and everything was just so heightened. Yeah, that kind of belief in spirit that there is something else out there and that the baby wasn't like completely just gone. That got me through it. I read this amazing book, actually, that I'd highly recommend if you're any way spiritual at all going through this called Spirit Babies. It's written by like a renowned clairvoyant and it's got like client examples of couples that he sees who are like trying to conceive or have had miscarriages and abortions and yeah it's it's really it helped me like no end Mm. that sounds really interesting I'll um, definitely check that out and I'll put a link to it at the bottom of this episode as well and yes of course grief I mean you Mm. touched on it there but that was really just the overriding emotion for me it was just just sheer like all-consuming grief and there were so many interesting things wrapped up in that. I found one of them was, that was really interesting was guilt. And I was actually just listening to a brilliant podcast with Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie on the How to Fail podcast. And she was talking about how exactly the same thing. She was talking about the um, the death of her father and how guilty she felt after his death. And even though you can be a really rational person and understand that there's nothing that you could have done to have prevented this death or this loss, you can't sometimes quite marry up the rational part of you and the emotional part of you because even though I rationally knew it wasn't my fault that I'd had a miscarriage there was still so much on the emotional side that I felt I felt guilty and there were so many things that I kept thinking to myself like oh maybe if I hadn't had a coffee this morning or maybe if I had slept better or you know you find ways to blame yourself yeah I think I didn't really have the guilt side but I think that my energy was channeled into anger at the hospital from the way they treated me Mm -hmm. so perhaps that's why I bypassed feeling the guilt and then by the time like I got all that out with the anger and the other grieving and perhaps there wasn't room for that. Can you talk a little bit if you don't mind about your experience at the hospital because I don't think we've actually spoken about it. Mm. But basically in April around Easter weekend I started to get a bit of brown discharge and it got darker like dark brown and I was obviously worried first pregnancy I don't know what's normal or not so I called the midwife and even the woman that I was speaking to on the phone sounded nervous it made me feel really on edge and she was like just keep an eye on it and if it gets worse go to A&E and they'll scan you there that was it I was like well I don't want to go to a and don't know what's going on and I was like I'm just gonna stay at home see what happens so nothing happened over the weekend and then the Monday I woke up and you know sometimes when you've got your period and you wake up because you've got too much blood in your pants or something like that I had that I was woken up I think like quarter to seven on the Easter Monday and then it was just loads like full red blood if I don't really remember panicking I just remember kind of like going into sort of autopilot and then I passed a clot that I felt me open for it to come out that could potentially have been the baby but I didn't go and I didn't look I didn't get it or anything like that like I see some women do I don't know how they do that that's think mm-hmm. it's incredibly brave to do that followed by another smaller one and then just didn't stop bleeding I was like to Adam we're gonna have to go to A&E now like this is this isn't right the first lady I spoke to was really nice who took my initial details and then the second receptionist 
who called us over, she yelled at me and was extremely rude. I understand the stress and the pressure that the NHS is under. Like, I get that. But I think when you know, especially as another woman, when you know that this woman standing in front of you is, like, losing her child, it baffled me. And because of COVID, she was like, he can't, he can't be in here. He needs to wait outside. So I was like, well, I'm going to wait outside with him. I don't want to sit in here by myself. And then Adam was trying to talk to her, like, look, you know, for pregnancy complications, you are actually allowed a partner in. And it was also completely quiet in there. There was nobody in there. I would understand if it was full, but it wasn't. But we just sat down together quietly. There was no way that I could have sat there for hours by myself. That's... Mm-hmm. Horrendous. I would have just gone home, basically, if Adam didn't stay with me. We eventually then got triaged through into urgent care. And the nurses were all really lovely in there. But I just didn't get any advice on what to expect afterwards. Nothing. Like I was saying, I naively thought that what had happened in the bathroom that morning, that was it. Done. But no, there's like another three weeks of hell, which... Because of how I was treated in the hospital and because I then subsequently tried to call up to book in for a scan and they didn't have my notes twice. The third time I called, she just couldn't be bothered to look through my notes and I had to repeat the story of what happened. I was like, no, I'm done. I'm not. I'm not going back there. That was like all on the Monday, Tuesday. And then the Thursday, the contractions happened. And I just went with it. I'd rolled around on the floor. I had a hot water bottle on my stomach. No amount of codeine or ibuprofen helps that pain which that could be incredibly dangerous staying at home when you're bleeding that much like it could be incredibly dangerous for someone because it could be going wrong Mm -hmm. luckily that didn't it was fine it was just all part of the natural process but yeah if I hadn't had that experience I would have gone into the hospital and maybe it wouldn't have kind of happened like that I'm so sorry that that happened to you that sounds yeah horrendous yeah that's why I feel like I need to speak out because the more of us that speak out then the more likely it is that things will change well I think you touched on something really interesting there which is just not being given any advice and I Mm. think that obviously being informed is very empowering regardless of how horrible or unpleasant you know the truth is going to be it's much better to be informed and empowered about what is going to happen to your body there's a lot of the same thing around um, what happens around labor people don't really talk about it and women don't really feel very informed before they actually start experiencing it it's always better (laughs) to to know what's going to happen and to trust that women are strong enough (laughs) to take it definitely but yeah, just one thing. more thing I wanted to talk about was um, maybe just on the same topic, I guess, about women being strong enough, is that how did you feel afterwards when I assume that you had friends that either then sort of became pregnant and shared their news with you or had babies, things like that? Because I think it is quite a misconception that people who are having babies or become pregnant feel that they can't talk about it with friends that they know who have experienced miscarriage and I think that really does an injustice to women because I think as humans we're very capable of feeling more than one complex emotion at the same time and I really found that it just it was really coincidental timing but when I had my miscarriage that week I must have had about five different friends message me to say that they were either pregnant or they had just given birth and um, even though 
you know, obviously I was grieving, I was still able and capable to, to share in their joy and to feel so happy for them. And my feelings of loss didn't cancel out my feelings of happiness for other people. Yeah. So I guess my my take on that is that if you are somebody who has um, had a baby or realise that you're pregnant, then don't kind of shy away from telling your friends that have experienced miscarriage. Just maybe be mindful of the fact that it might be bringing up other feelings for that person, honour those feelings and give them space, but they're still able, completely able to share in your joy. Importantly, you should, that you're still happy for other women. It's hard, can be hard, but if you're not, then you're just going to become incredibly bitter, which is not, not healthy. It's not a good space to get into. All right, so then moving forward, this is the sort of last thing that I wanted to talk about, and... Kind of taking light out of the darkness what would you say you've taken from it and how has it shaped you the main takeaway was the kind of it gave me a bit more of a purpose because of the spiritual experience I had it kind of deepened my awareness and definitely deepened my empathy for others more it's made me better at what I do in terms of like Reiki and readings also weirdly like our baby's due date was the 15th of October which is um at the end of pregnancy loss awareness week so I just kind of felt like okay there's a reason that this happened and so from that I'm actually using what I already do to help other women going through the same thing because yeah I decided actually a couple of days ago that I want to offer um sort of a with my Reiki, like a specialism with like miscarriage care. So healing that concentrates, that just to provide a safe space for women. Because I found that after I shared about that, a lot of women came to me for Reiki who had gone through similar things. I, I felt like, okay, my baby came to be with me for that short period of time to lead me down this different path where I'm supposed to be going. That's, yeah, that's what I was kind of meaning when I said, positive had come out of it and also just like in myself to see myself grow out of something like that I felt really proud of myself that I'd you know I'd got through it because it's not it's not an easy it's horrible horrible thing to go through I remember just like all I'd be able to do is just have a bath and that's like the only thing I could do every day for like three weeks just have a bath sit in the bath it feels okay that that happened now I obviously I hope that I never ever have to go through that again and but yeah it sounds really amazing, all those things that you're doing. As you say, the kind of alchemy, I suppose, that you've, um, yeah. you're spinning from the situation. For me, I think what I've taken from it is a lot more kind of selfish, I suppose. But on the spiritual side of things, I found that I had a much deeper connection with my own body afterwards because mm. I did a lot of journaling and yeah. kind of movement medicine and self-love practices and because I knew that I had to forgive myself and forgive my body and after doing that I felt as you say much stronger that because I know you know I'd gone through something like that and I also yeah just felt this really deep connection with myself no I don't think that's selfish at all at all I think that's a really beautiful thing to take away from it because that's the thing we need to remember as well is Everyone experiences things differently, don't they? There's no set way of experiencing something. How long it takes you to get over your grief 
that's part of being human. We experience things differently. And I think whatever you take out of it, if you take something positive out of it, then that's a beautiful thing. I think that's a really nice place to leave that part of our conversation. And thank you so much. And yeah, obviously, I feel like it's been a very challenging and Mm. heavy conversation, but I'm really glad that we had it. But it might sort of feel a bit inappropriate to do the quick fire round now, but I feel like you've kind of... (laughs) No, we should do it, definitely. Brilliant. Well, let's do it then. Let's give some airtime to things that inspire you. So my first question is, what have you read lately that you'd love to read about? I am reading this Letting Go, Mm. The Pathway to Surrender by Dr. David R. Hawkins. He talks about consciousness quite a lot. So there's a lot of stuff in here how different emotions have like a rating. So the lowest emotion is shame. And then you go up the scale. Where it changes from negative to positive is when it gets to courage. Um, So I don't know if you've read anything by Brené Brown. Oh, yeah. About like there's no courage without vulnerability. Yeah, courage is like the turning point where it goes into the positive emotions like joy, love, acceptance. So it's a lot about if you surrender to a situation, something's happening, you accept what's happening is happening. It takes away a lot of the suffering around that. It's amazing so far. Very healing. Okay, I get that on the list. And okay, what have you watched lately that you'd like to talk about? A film called Waves, which blew me away. It was incredible. It's kind of like subtly about race and the prison system in America. The cinematography in it is incredible. The way the story's told is just amazing. It's a bit of a heavy watch, but yeah, definitely watch that. Very good. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Anything you've listened to lately? Yeah, I used to DJ a bit, but my boyfriend and I still DJ. We play a lot of records. I love a lot of African, South African music. This, I've got it out to show you. Gumba Fire. So it's like bubblegum, soul and synth boogie from 1980s South Africa. <laughs> And oh my god like it's so good it's incredible like it's amazing music. it's on this amazing label called soundway who license lots of undiscovered music from south africa and various other places and it's just so, like a mind-blowing insane amount of like, amazing music there that never was able to see the light of day before you should definitely check that out mm, i wonder if that's on spotify i'm gonna have a look it is up. There's lots of Soundway stuff on Spotify anyway. There's a Soundway playlist on there. Cool, thanks. It's a really cool recommendation. Okay, what have you tried recently that you'd like to rave about? So it could be a new hobby or interest or just something you tried. I feel like I haven't tried anything recently just because we've been like locked down and stuff. Mm. But what I would like to retry, bouldering. Um, ah. I did bouldering like a couple of years back in India. And it was like the scariest thing I've ever done in a place called Hampi. And I was absolutely petrified, but I did it. And I was like, as soon as I get back to England, I've got to go bouldering. And I never did. So I really need to do it because I know you can do it. There's a lot of climbing centres nearby. So, yeah, I'm going to do that. All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so, so much for spending your evening talking to me about your experience and revisiting it. And as I said, it's it's really difficult. So I really, really appreciate you taking the time to do it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much for inviting me on. It was really good to talk with someone who understands as well. Yeah, me too. I'll talk to you really soon. Bye. Bye. And that's it for today's episode on change. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please do feel free to get in touch at sheleadschangepodcast at gmail.com and I'll link to everything we discussed today in the show notes. See you all soon.